So let's open up to Ezekiel chapter 1. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study tonight as we begin our study through the book of Ezekiel. I ask, Lord, that you guide and direct us and lead us into all truth. Encourage and inspire your people. We thank you, Lord, for your gentle spirit and your powerful presence. Fill us now, Lord, for your glory, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We're going to start with chapter 1, and it's a dream that the Lord gives Ezekiel. Now, the the children of Israel have been uh, sent into exile into Babylon, and they're in exile in Babylon because they walked away from the Lord. Do you remember when we studied uh, going through the book of Judges that they forgot the Lord? And what does forget the Lord mean? Like, uh, who? What does forget the Lord mean? What does it mean to forget the Lord? Stop obeying. Walking away. Remember what we said? He's no longer the center. We put him aside. It's not like we've forgotten him. We just don't have him in the center of what we do. He's he's kind of a part of our life, but he's not the center of our life. And you know how you know the Lord's the center of your life? You wake up with him and you go to bed with him. And you meditate on him. You pray without ceasing. He's everything to you. I would just ask you, as those who profess the name of Christ, how much time have you spent in his word today? Don't answer out loud. Because the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. It says that the average man and woman spends almost 10 hours a day. They touch their phone, their iPhone, over 2,000 times in the course of a day. How many times a day do we touch the word and read it, meditate on it? We're neglecting him, aren't we? I think it's a a concerted or a, a concert of yeses. Will we all agree that we could certainly do more? Amen. I'm not to, I'm not here to condemn. Convict, yes, condemn, no. I, I want more of the Lord in my life. I know that when I'm reading, I'm settled. I know I'm comforted, encouraged, inspired. And when I'm not, it's awful. Does this, do you agree with me on that? And and we see this picture where we're struggling to read God's word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Well, God gets the attention of the Israelites. And doesn't he have a way of doing that with us? We walk away from his word. What happens to us? Maybe none of you ever walked away. I'm, I'm sorry, I thought. What happens to us when we walk away from the word? Go downhill? Fear, anxiety, worry. I don't know about you, but I return to my sins that easily beset me. Do you guys have that problem? Because you you, you got to cope apart from the Lord, and you're miserable because in Him is the fullness of joy, and something's missing, so you're you're trying to fill it with something that is not lasting. Amen. Any other any other results? Your life falls apart. Isn't it amazing how there's not enough money at the end of the month? And you're, you're finagling and trying to figure it out. And you're coming up with all kinds of schemes. You're just a Jacob. You're, you're trying to scheme your way through it. Anyone else have that problem? You're shocked. 
How could it all have gone wrong so bad? Well, the Lord, he, he's so sweet that way. He steps out of the way and he lets us as parents experience the consequences of our sin. When we don't allow our children to experience the consequences of their sin, we enable them, we protect them from the consequences. Thus, they think there's never a consequence to doing something wrong. As parents, we can always, money can always take care of the consequences, right? We can buy them out of debt. We can, we can buy them out of their problems. But we can't change their heart when we are always bailing them out, right? Yes? And sometimes the hardest thing as a parent is to let the child experience and reap what they've been sowing. And the way of the transgressor is hard, isn't it? And it hurts to watch our children suffer. Well, that's what the Lord does to us. But the Bible says, if you spare the rod, you hate the child. And the Lord disciplines those he loves. He, 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 you go out into the world and God says, okay. And then you find yourself enslaved to those things that you thought would bring you happiness. And so as they pursued the idols of, of all the other cultures and the false gods, they became enslaved to the culture that created those gods. And here they were enslaved in Babylon. And, and to think, well, how could you be carried off enslaved to Babylon? Well, aren't we in some capacity? What did they worship? Whatever they spent their time, treasures, and talents doing, whatever they invested their life in, what do we find as entertainment? What do we find is funny? What, what do we engage in? What do we indulge in? And then we find ourselves enslaved to these gods and goddesses. Small g. God of Bacchus, alcohol, Aphrodite. Whatever it is, they still exist today. And so this is the children. They're all, they're all enslaved in Babylon and God speaks to Ezekiel, the prophet. And here's how it begins. And by the way, this is like an LSD trip right here. It is, and, and, and I'm going to contrast it with Paul's response to the same vision. Okay? But let me give you Ezekiel's response to this vision, and then I'm going to give you Paul's response to the vision. So let's begin with the reading. Verse 1. Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. By the way, at this time he's 30 years old. He was taken away captive at 25. He was studying for the priesthood. He was a Levite. He was studying for the priesthood. And now he's 30 years old. He had a heart for the Lord. He wanted to serve God. And every the temple's been destroyed. He's been taken away captive. And he has a vision of the Lord in this, this time, in the fourth month of the fifth day of the month. He was um, among the captives by the river Chebar. And the heavens were opened, and I saw a vision's of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi. His dad was a drinker. Uh, <laughs> in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. So it's this. It's in the north, and it's this fire that's just kind of going in, just burning, but 
almost cycling inward, just being consumed, just this fire cultivated there, engulfing itself. And brightness was all around it and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber. Notice the word like is used often in Ezekiel's description. Out of the midst of the fire, also, verse 5, from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled, they sparkled like the, um, the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on, the, on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings, and their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. I don't even know how to describe that. Uh, all I can tell you is it's trippy. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had a face of an ox on the left side. Each of the four had a face of an eagle. And thus were their faces. Their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. It's just like, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just, and as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of barrel, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went toward any one of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. And wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. Because there the Spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels." The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over the heads. Under the firmament, their wings spread out straight toward one another. Each one had two which covered one side. Each one had two which covered the other side of the body. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. And whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance, like a sapphire stone on the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around it all around within it, and from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day. And so the appearance of the brightness 
all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. I don't know what he was on, but I'd like some. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> In a serious sort of way. Isn't that crazy? And, and, and you can spend hours on this and talking about the ox head and the eagles and, and what each of these means and the lion and some of them attributed to each of the four gospels. And you can go through all kinds of speculation on what it would be. I would just boil it down to this. Ezekiel saw God. Because it says, so when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of the one, capital one, speaking. It, it was so unbelievable, the only thing he could do was fall on his face. Imagine the sound of marching armies and raging waters and the moving of the wings of this creature. Imagine eyes all around these wheels. Imagine the magnificence of this in colors that you don't even know how to describe. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 was taken up into the third heaven and, and he, he saw similar to what Ezekiel saw. His, his eyes beheld this, this heavenly picture. And, and, and John tried to describe in Revelation to the best of his ability when he was on the island of Patmos and had a revelation of heaven itself. And he kept using that same word. It was like, it was like, it was like, it was like, it was like. It sounded like a teenager. It was like, it was like, oh my God, it was like, it was like, it was like, it was like. And, and yet when Paul was taken up into the third heaven, I love Paul's response. I was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words. I can't even begin to tell you what they were. End of story. Paul's like, I'd be crazy to try to describe that. Let's move on. He was pragmatic. I, 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 if, if I tried to describe to you, you'd think I was on some sort of drug, and anyone who would read anything I'd write from here on out would be just as confused as all of you of which I've described. A wheel within a wheel, moving without moving, turning without turning. Anybody? Suffice it to say, it was so magnificent that the response was, when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. God got his attention by his presence. And as he got his attention, we begin with chapter two. Let's see what he said to him. Now, one more time, look at me if you would. I open tonight and, and if you're like me, you were discouraged by what I shared a little bit. Aren't we all just a little bit discouraged? Can I get an amen? I mean, it is. It's hard to see. I, if, if I can see a roadmap, even if it's, even if it's a, a perilous journey, but there's a way to get there, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm up for the fight. But when it seems so overwhelming and so daunting, I get discouraged. There are times where I, I, I can find myself discouraged and God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He, he wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to encourage one another. He wants us to bless one another. He wants us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual praises, making melody in our heart one to another. He commands us to not be afraid. But I confess to you that, that as we, we strive to want to 
to implement God's presence in, in a world that, that, that seems to be running from him. In a postmodern world where you declare the truths of God and people look at you like you're from outer space. And, and the vitriol, it used to be that you would witness about the Lord and people go, oh, I'm so glad for you. And I, now the response is vitriolic at times when you share the gospel. It's militant and combative. Have you noticed? And the tension is rising in our nation. And, and, and defining Christians and, and, and pinpointing them. And, and, and the revisionist history. We're, we're praising Islam. Praising Islam. During the entire period of the Crusades, which, which you know, they always throw that in our face. So Islam's not bad. We, what about the, those awful Crusades? During the Crusades, how many instigated wars by Islamic forces occurred? Major battles. Almost 600. How many major battles instigated by Christians in the Crusades? Less than 14. And every battle instigated by the crusaders, Christian crusaders, were in defense because Europe had been invaded. And theirs was a defense to go and defend Christians that were in the Holy Land and to protect them. Who's being destroyed now in the Muslim world? Who are they killing? They're killing Arabs. They're killing Muslims. Muslims are dying because you have Sunni and Shia. But who is it targeted towards? What is the... What is the, the 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 people group that is being decimated? Arab Christians. They're being wiped out. Jews are being targeted, but Arab Christians are being annihilated. Wiped out. Kurds are being wiped out. Nobody's doing anything. We can't, we can't even get our State Department to allow Christian Arabs to come in. The, the, the ones we're allowing in are Muslims. The ones who are being persecuted, the Christians, they're not allowed in. They're being wiped out, wholesale slaughter. Hundreds of thousands. We've watched the beheadings. And I tell you, I look at this. I look at the election process. I, I'm, I'm watching as... We've removed the pulpit. We've removed the press is owned. People don't peaceably assemble. Every time you try to peaceably assemble, you're shouted down. Right? Freedom of speech is is now being taken down. You don't have freedom of speech on a college campus, do you? Ah, political correctness. George Orwell, 1984, all over again. Animal Farm. Everyone's equal. Some are more equal than others. This elitist group and is, is taking over. And it almost seems as though we don't have a voice. I, I have to say, there was one thing I took heart in, I was kind of excited about, and that was Brexit, when Britain removed themselves from the EU. Because the EU is now formulating an army, a military. And, and th- there's, there's no presence of God. You want to talk about the removal of Christian freedoms. I've been to the church in Ziegen, Germany, the largest Calvary chapel we have in, in Europe. For them to exist, unbelievable what they have to endure. Unbelievable. Our churches in Russia that we planted, those folks are struggling. 
And, and it's getting worse and worse. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. When we were over in, in Israel, it, it just it breaks your heart to see what's happening. And so, yes, just like you, I get discouraged. I do. But it's those times where, as it says, that David got alone with the Lord and he strengthened himself in the Lord. I want, I want to tell you something. If you're discouraged tonight, get alone with the Lord and strengthen yourself in him. You know how you do that? Open his word and keep reading until you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I would encourage you to, to read the book of Psalms. David wrote that in the most trying times. Those are stories from the heart of a psalmist that came out of the deepest parts of his life. You need wisdom? Open up the Proverbs. You want to know more about Jesus? Open up the Gospels. You want to know narratives? Go through Genesis and First and Second Samuel. Great books. You want to be encouraged in exile? Read Daniel. These are all books that will inspire you. Open them. You want to know how to operate in the context of a church? Open up the pastoral epistles. Start to see that. You want joy back in your life? Open up Philippians. You want a gospel of grace? Read, read Galatians. Each of these has a gift for you. It's waiting for you. But it's not there unless you open it. And you got to eat it. His word is living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the bread of life. You need to consume it. Hold that thought of eating his word, consuming his word, because we're going to see a man discouraged. His country's gone. The nation's in turmoil. He was studying for the priesthood, and they took away his temple. And here he is in, in a foreign country by a river that is dominated by idolaters. And there in the midst, in the absence of a temple, a young man crying out to the Lord, and God speaks to him, shows him himself. Call on me, God says. And God's phone number, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call on me, and I'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. When's the last time you called on the Lord? We call on everybody else but the Lord. Call on the Lord. There's peace to be found there, encouragement. Folks, we're going to have to do that more and more in these coming days. Get that word, start reading it, hold on to it. Cling to it. Abide in it. Ask God to give you a hunger for it. Amen? And as he's doing this and he's pressing into the Lord, God shows him himself. You can go a long way with the touch of the Lord, can't you? You know, Ted Smith has encouraged me since we've, we've become friends all these years. And, and he has a heart for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of, of his children and, and waiting on the Lord. And, and there's something to be said for that emotional connection to God that you've sensed his presence. You can go a long way with that. Just like a, you can go a long way, husband and wife, where the, the husband tells his wife, I love you. And, and she can't hear that enough. There needs to be encouragement there. Press in. Spend time with the Lord. Hear his still small voice. And, and this is what he does. God appears to him. He fell on his face and he heard the voice of the one speaking. Let's see what God says to him. We've got 13 minutes. He said to me, Son of man. Now, son of man, who else was called the son of man? 
Jesus. And remember Caesarea Philippi? Who do, they, who do they say I, the Son of Man, am? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. Peter had gotten that from the Lord. Jesus was called the Son of Man, but when Jesus was called the Son of Man, he wasn't called the Son of Man in the way in which Ezekiel was called the Son of Man. In, in, the, in the New Testament, Jesus was called the Son of Man over 80 times. And it was to emphasize his humanity and his dependence on God's Holy Spirit. But also it emphasized his lowliness and his exaltation. In Ezekiel, when the term son of man is used, it's used over 90 times in this book, as we're going to see. And it it emphasizes his frailty, uh, his need to depend on God's vision, and um, his ability to carry out this mission. I, I love what this person writes. The prophet is reminded in the very moment of his highest inspiration of his Adam nature with all its infirmity and limitations. In the use of a like phrase, bar Anosh instead of ben Adam, in Daniel 7, 13, we have the same truth implied. There, one likened to man in all things is called to share the sovereignty of the Ancient of Days, referring to Christ. But here in Ezekiel, nothing in himself. He's just really this term, son of man. You know what it implies? Let me help you. You know what the word son of man implies? Pile of dirt. Pile of dirt. Hey, remember? Dirt breathed into you, Ruach, created man. From, from the, the dirt you came into the dirt you will go. Son of man, lowly, I'm talking to you. He says, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Now watch this. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. He said, stand on your feet, didn't he? And then what happened? He said, stand on your feet. If I were to turn to Chuck and say, Chuck, stand on your feet. Chuck, stand on your feet. Come on, help me. Chuck, stand on your feet. All right. Now, here's what the scripture says. The spirit said, Chuck, stand on your feet. And the spirit lifted him up. Not by might, nor by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. The Lord will never give you a command where he won't give you the power to accomplish that command. Ezekiel is up against a tough task and the Lord's empowering him to do it and he's showing him. Then the spirit entered me, spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him speak to me and he said to me, son of man, I'm sending you to the children of Israel. Oh gosh, (laughs) not them. (laughs) Rob McCoy, I'm sending you to the churches and the the pietistic pastors of the nation. I want to go to Jamaica. (laughs) I'm sending you to the children of Israel. And he adds, let me just tell you who they are, Ezekiel. They're a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. They can't blame their parents. They've done it too. We spent an entire 20 years blaming our parents, right? Now they're dead for some of us some of you wish maybe they were I don't know but they're dead my dad's still alive but he's not mentally present 
And everything I'm doing here, 51 years of age, this is all on me. You can't blame your folks. The sins you do, you do. Well, my parents don't understand me. That's why somebody did this to me, and that's why I... No. They're responsible for what they did. You're responsible for what you do. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. The victim becomes the victimizer. Yes? So it's generational. A rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I mean, we're, we're now, since the X and the Y generation, we are now a nation embedded in evolution. And we're all now responsible since 1973 for having done pretty much nothing to stop the annihilation of, of over 50 million babies. We're, we're all, just look, our hands and the apathy of those are, are responsible. The absence of training, the absence of engaging. We don't like to be looked at as weird or militant. They're really not worth, not worth fighting for. I mean, it's done in a sterile environment. We don't see it. We don't see the smoke rising from the furnaces like they did in Germany. Our parents and us. For they are impudent. The Lord says... They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. You know what impudent means? You don't need to open your mouth. I can see your rebellion. I'll say that to my kids. Well, What's the look on your face there? They'd be terrible at poker. I hope my kids never play poker. <laughs> Impudent and stubborn. I'm not going to do it. The worst one is, I'm going to do it and I don't do it. That's impudent. Oh, I'll do that. With no intention of doing it. You don't have to give someone a scowl. You just give them a smile that means nothing. And the command just passes right through. I love the Lord with all my heart. I need you to do this. Praise the Lord. I'm not doing that. Praise you, God. Impudent, stubborn. I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you to them. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. How are we going to know that a prophet has been among them? And what is a prophet? A prophet is one who speaks God's word boldly to declare the consequences. If you continue in this path, this is what will happen. You continue to sow to this, you're going to reap this. If we don't do something, it's going to get worse. A prophet says, wake up. 
Open your eyes. The apathy is overwhelming. When is enough enough? Why are you still holding on to the thing that is paralyzing you from serving God? When will you move? And they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, pile of dirt, weak man, a man who wouldn't survive without the food I provide, you, son of man, don't be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Boy, they are good with their words, and they hurt. Running through that election, those words were so painful. We closed the meeting yesterday, uh, the council meeting, in honor of a man. And the minute I saw his picture and his name, it took me back 14 years ago to a letter that I received from him because I had the audacity to stand out in regards to life. And he wrote me a scathing letter. I saw his picture and it just brought back the same pain I felt as a brand new minister. It hurt. Their words are painful. I had a meeting with an, another woman who had written an awful letter and, and, and I, I, I was doing my best to be kind and listen to their, their grievance and concern as a council member, putting aside my pain. Words are painful, but the Lord says, do not be afraid of them or afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you will dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. They have this ability, and I watch it at council meetings. There's one man in particular every single Tuesday. He just says something and attacks me directly and gives you that look. I get that from people, that look. And it just pierces right through you. I grew up with it from my mom, so I'm used to it. <laughs> Though they are a rebellious house, you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. Listen. You and I are not in charge of the outcome. It doesn't matter. You are responsible and I am responsible for preaching it. What happens in relation to that is up to them. When the Lord says that I'm sending you amongst these people, the word that he uses in the Hebrews, goyim, it's a, a word of reproach. It's the same word they use for Gentiles. Profane, rejected, altogether alienated from God. These are the people we're sending you to. Profane, rejected, altogether alienated from God. Step into that world, go neck deep into it, and preach the word. They're a pollution, they're an abomination, but step in the middle of it. And what happens when you step into pollution? You stink. John Newton said to... William Wilberforce, get neck deep in it and you're going to be filthy. And as he had to pursue the end of the slave trade, he got neck deep in it. And the ancient of days, Gentiles were, in the ancient days, Gentiles were to the Jews like dung, the offscouring of the world because they were goyim. And there's no doubt that this pride filled the minds of the people in the days of the prophet 
God therefore calls them rebellious goyim, which would be the ultimate affront. Could Israel blame their fate on the transgressions of their fathers? God says, they, their fathers, have transgressed against me and themselves. You look at this and he says, I'm sending you God's job initiated by the Lord. I wanted to read this, this picture of obstinance. He says, um, to whom is Ezekiel sent? To Jews already in exile. Jews have already felt the sting of God's wrath and yet who are still not broken. What does God's ultimate desire for these exiles do? Surely he would be pleased if they confessed and repented. If you went into Orlando right now and you went down and you began to share. I heard stories of of people taking the Chick-fil-A sandwiches as they they opened on Sunday, which they never do, and they they fed all these folks. A lot of folks would refuse to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And, and just to have an anger and still, you know, 50 people dead. What is it going to take in the judgment of the nation and people still reject the Lord? What does God ultimately desire for these exiles to do? Surely he would be pleased if they confessed and repented. Would he forgive them? He would. Would they be returned to Jerusalem? No, the consequences of their rebellion had sealed the fate of the holy city and holy temple. God in the midst of the wrath is remembering mercy and sending a warning to those already punished. The point is that if you have uh, breath in your lungs, no matter how heinous your rebellion against God, he still desires your repentance rather than your destruction. And, and this idea, this rebelliousness, the stubborn, obstinate children, it's, it's um, a rebellion against God in a sense, in a national sense. The nation has walked away from the Lord. Sound familiar? Defiant and stubborn towards God. Sons are brazen-faced and hard-hearted. Children of hard face and an obstinate heart. And, and so this is where they are. So it picks up, uh, but you son of man, hear what I say. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Verse eight, let me read that again. These people, whether they refuse to hear or not, or they remain rebellious, this is what you need to do. So this is for us. Verse 8, we're almost finished. Verse 8, this is for us. Pay attention. Here we go. But you, and when I say you, when I say but you, I want you to say your name, but you. But you. But, say your name, but Okay, but Rob, pile of dirt, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious. If you're going to lead people out of rebellion, you've got to stop doing it yourself. Amen? Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. That's trust. It's like a baby opening their mouth when mama's feeding it. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were the lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. Remember where God guides, he provides. He gives you the ability to accomplish it. And he eats the scroll, God God had him eat the scroll. He caused him to eat the scroll. He consumed the scroll. That being said, I want to give you a challenge tonight. 
Pay attention. Ask the Lord to do this. God, please. And Job said this, and it works. Pray this prayer with, with me, and, and, we're, and I do it every night. God, give me a hunger for your word more than my physical food. Pray that, and watch what God does. He said to me, Son of man, feed your belly, verse 3, and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You know what? He has given you a thick head. Plow through. Just keep going. Don't be discouraged. They're going to they're, they're gonna have a hard head. You have a harder head. And it's like two rams, just bam, 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 bam. And, and be ready. Just give an answer. Give an answer. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. But remember, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But keep pushing. Keep pushing. Don't surrender. Put yourself out there. Take the hit. Hit back not physically, spiritually. Contend with their lie with the truth. But the only way you can contend with a lie with the truth is you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. It's empowering. I've made your face strong against their faces and your foreheads strong against their foreheads. Verse 10, we're almost finished. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I may speak to you and hear with your ears and go Get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice, Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his, from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and the great thunderous noise. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And then I came to the captives at Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Chebar and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. You know what Tel Abib means? It was, it was a fertile field. It was a fertile place. It means, it means hill of ears, like ears of corn. And he's trying to tell these rebellious people to listen. And he's there seven days astonished at this vision. And the task is daunting and overwhelming. And God gave him a, an appearance of himself and a presence of himself, empowered him by a spirit. And I'll just conclude tonight since we're out of time, to just simply tell you, we're going to, we're the ones. We're going in, into that realm. And, and, and we've got to have a love for his word. We've got to eat it. It's got to go into our belly. I don't want to hear anymore that the word of God is boring. I've told you, you're boring. 
God's word is living and it's breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. You touch your phone over 2,000 times in the course of a day. Do you have time to pick up his word? Can you feed upon it? Feeding upon the riches of his word and pray the prayer of Job. God, give me a hunger for your word more than my physical food. And when you have that word empowered by his spirit, lifted by his spirit, you got a strong forehead and a prophetic countenance. You go and butt some heads and change the world. Amen.